0: Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach Stephanie Hanlon Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in, enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, Stephanie. Hey hon. As always, a great topic today that we want to talk about, and uh, how do I want to lead into this? You know, we often have conversations like this that we're going to have today, but the realization that, you know, there is nothing new out there. I mean, we follow a lot of really great people. We do a lot of research. We unpack things. We coach things, and certainly we have our own, uh, I guess, I don't want to call it narrative, but we have our own methodology and ways of helping people to unlock and be their best selves. And we have a context for living that we throw out in the shift program. And we talk about self-discovery and being your best self and living your greatest life. But having said all of that, I don't know that we can own any of it. And this particular topic today really shines a light on. We love to unpack things, lift the hood. You know, those are a couple of phrases we often use. And uh, today is uh, no exception to that. So topic today, five keys to unlocking your best self. What do you think?
1: Well, this one's really interesting because you and I discovered this sort of at the same time and we were talking about, you know, what could be our next podcast and how do we inspire people? And, you know, nothing's really original. Nothing's really new. And we both bumped into Dr. Benjamin Hardy right around the same time. And to your point, there's nothing original out there, but I think what's really important, and if you're listening to this as, you know, Mindset Matters podcast listeners, is that our commitment is to distill a lot of this information and direct you and redirect you into areas that you can do your own discovery, your own uncovery, your own research. But let us do like, our, take my 40 years of personal development and growth and run with it. You don't have to do it all by yourself for the first time. And I think that's what I really discovered. And when we were both doing this Benjamin Hardy thing at the same time, it just cracked
0: me up. Well, it's interesting about Benjamin Hardy. I started following him many years ago uh, when he was still just being a blogger and writing a few articles. And of course, now he's a best-selling author. He's a PhD And uh, he really has gone on to do some amazing stuff. His book, The Gap and the Gain, we've talked about it many times. I encourage people to read it and actually live it and uh, take some of the strategies, tactics from it and apply them in our day-to-day life or in your late day-to-day life. You know, you and I have shared many times that uh, when we're breaking bread with chosen family or friends, we are often saying before we break bread, so let's go around the table once. You know, what was your win of the day? What was your gain of the day or the week? You know, share some insights Into the gain instead of looking at the gap because it's very easy to fall into the trap of only looking at what you haven't accomplished and totally negating and minimizing or minimizing and totally negating what you have gained. And uh, you and I, in spite of all of the, I guess the work, the reading, uh, how aware we are can still fall into that. I know I'm more guilty than you are at looking at the gap rather than the gain, but it certainly is uh, something that shows up. So I don't think there could be enough reminders. We fold it into our life in a really powerful way, but it still shows up. So having said all of that, Uh, This isn't about Benjamin Hardy. This just happened to be a topic he brought up. And it was brought up, you know, when we think about, and we've talked about many times, Brene Brown. So Brene Brown uses a quote that rather than try to be right, it's better to try and get it right. And her quote is actually pretty profound when you think about it. And we've talked about the, we've had the conversation many times about those individuals with the need to be right. The, what do you call them? The right
1: I call them the right fighters. Right,
0: the right fighters. Yeah, and, fight to be right. <laughs> and it's really, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that have that quality where they just need to be right. And if you're one of those people, you know, maybe you, you want to listen closely to this particular episode. And so I think it is really foundational for our personal growth to be aware of, are we being a right fighter? Uh, because-
1: I, well, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 slow down, cowboy. Let's not step over that. I just had a, a brainwave. Okay. You think about being a right fighter. It means that you're demanding not just for yourself to be heard, but for other people to agree with the fact that you're right. Of course. And I think that's where the disconnect comes. And I, of course, as we've seen over the last three and a half, four years, is that that need to be right is what creates a lot of this polarity. Oh, and, huge. Right? So the right fighting mm-hmm. also shuts down your ability to hear, not just listen, but to hear an opposing opinion or something else that could actually matter to you. So the the question I always ask myself when I'm thinking about, you know, am I being a right fighter or am I so committed to what I believe is right? And I've disciplined myself to ask myself, but what if I'm wrong? But what if I'm wrong? Anyway, let's carry on. I just didn't want to step over that.
0: But but that's but that question of what if I'm wrong, but that's the willingness to consider that you may not be right. And right fighters generally don't do that. So this conversation or part of well, this conversation can't.
1: They can't because it would destroy, their brains would blow up. <laughs> it would destroy their commitment to needing to be right. I've watched relationships be destroyed because 100%. somebody can't be wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. So it's a good foundation for this conversation because actually to begin a journey or continue on a journey of some kind of self-improvement or personal growth, we, in this conversation, to your point, have to let go of our attachment to have those really strong, rigid beliefs. And we have to be open to the possibility and have consideration of changing those and that, they, they, that we might be wrong. So let's kick it off. This is uh, back to what the original idea was, is the five keys, you know, and so first and foremost, you know, we have to recognize, and again, we've had these conversations many times. So I kind of like the way that this is coming to fruition in terms of a conversation. The one story is your life is a story. So your life is just a story. You know, we all have lived our life through the narrative that we've constructed in our minds, and that's what it is. It is our story. It shapes our identity, and it actually influences how we perceive the world. Uh, Stephen Covey, you know, he stated once, and this is so good, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, and that leads into the My favorite quote, which is by Wayne Dyer, which says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So the point is, is that our own self-image and the beliefs that frame our narrative for our story, we have to stop and acknowledge that it is neither perfect or entirely accurate. And it's probably just not the truth because we're looking at it through a different set of filters. So in other words, Who we are today and how we see the world today filters the story from the past. And we're looking at the world through a different lens. So I know that was saying a lot. Would you want to jump in here?
1: Well, briefly, just in the fact that our story is actually not real. Our memories are designed for self-preservation. So when we're looking back at our story, we're usually the hero or maybe the victim, rarely the villain. In our own stories. But if we think about our stories, and, and the line I use with my clients is, you are not your story. Your story has got you here. But if you redefine and recontextualize how you look at your story, what if, what if you go from being a victim to being the hero in your own story? Or unfortunately, many people demand the fact that they become the hero regardless of who they hurt, what they've done, so the destruction along the way, but they have to be the hero. So a, a story always, in a story arc, one of my favorite people and one of my clients for a long time, Margaret, has always said there's a story arc where we get to the point where we fall in love with the hero and we, you know, are all against and vilify the victim or, or the the villain, sorry. And what happens is that there's going to be a place where we have to find our way and define ourselves through our story. And if we're always looking back and trying to define ourselves through our story, through our history or our herstory, then we really get stuck in how do we recreate or manifest our, our future and our what's next, because our history, you know, is truly just the past. And as my Italian friend says, the pasta is the pasta.
0: That's so bad. Okay. So I really like that. His story, history, his story, and it is just a story. And, uh, we sometimes hold it as an absolute truth. And, you know, I've shared in the past that my dad and I had a pretty rocky relationship, as you know. And, uh, you know, I sometimes blame my dad and have in the past blamed my dad for a lot of things. But one time, and as you recall, I went to three sisters and I went to each of those sisters and I kind of, you know, poked and delved and kind of unpacked and had conversations about, dad their story about dad was so different than the story i was telling myself like i saying, you know, 180 degrees from where I was at. So that was my first realization of, holy cow, I've got this whole story. Now, my experience was my experience. And, you know, since then, of course, I look at all the gifts my dad gave me, regardless of how he showed up in my life as, you know, the only boy or the only man in the family. But that's not really what this is about. The point is, is that it was a story I was telling myself. And as I've changed that story, uh, I have a lot more empathy and compassion for my dad, and uh you know that's just the way that went was it was just a story so that's and ultimately
1: empathy and compassion for yourself because me and aaron and the kids and the grandkids and our chosen family and Michael and everybody that that are benefiting from your Fredisms from the fact that you learned so many things I'm benefiting from it,
0: yeah. That's, that's very true. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, but back to what you originally said, I was definitely the victim of my story in those days where everything was, you know, dad's fault. So anyways, let's carry on. Number two. Oh, this is so cool because it just kind of plays perfectly into what we were talking about, which is the past does not define you. It does not define us. And this is so important. You know, many, many, I think and as we've worked and we work with shift clients or clients in general, we find that, you know, many perceive the past as the determiner of their present. And that's for them or whether it be for themselves or the events that shape them. And we often believe that, or understands someone's past, explains their present behavior. However, when they look at the research, it suggests a, a kind of a more liberating truth. And this is so good. And this is what Joe Dispenza talks about quite a lot, which is your present shapes the meaning of your past. The present shapes the meaning of your past. So when you recall a memory, your brain reconstruction from your kind of current perspective. And that's what I said earlier, which is, but the filters that we look at the past through are different today than they were 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago, probably even 10 days ago. So I think when we can have that realization, you start to realize you can reframe and recreate your past. And I know that some of the work that you do with your, your clients and especially your athletes. And while we start to understand that, you know, our past has been pretty essential. It's really the present that is shaping the meaning of our past. So for us to grow and evolve, we have to become a little more flexible in our thought processes and be willing to kind of reevaluate my past or your past, which I did when I had that whole story around my dad where I was such a victim, bad dad. But what's
1: (laughs) what's super cool about what you just said is that if you wanna know what your thought processes are and what your mindset is, Mm -hmm. look at where you are today. Look at where you are today. This is the reconstruction and the construction of everything that you've done to get here. If you don't like it, if you don't like it, then you have the opportunity to shift it and move it forward today, right now. Because what's curious to me is that if we don't like where we're at and we don't see that we have the power to change it or to shift it or to to at least reconfigure and recontextualize ourselves going forward because we have to identify with who we are in the past then we're surprised that we're not abundant or we're not living the life we want or we don't have the house we want or the relationship we want it's because we're living in the past and we continually empower that past and make it true so if you don't like where you are today check your story Mhm. Cuz you may be more compi- sorry, more committed to your story, you may be more committed to your story than you are to a compelling and beautiful future for yourself.
0: You know, that there, that statement right there. You know, you may be more committed to your story and this is something that, you know, is interesting when we're working with Uh, our own coaching clients is that you know we often say we don't want your story they and they automatically go to the story we go no we don't care about your story it doesn't matter and sometimes it does so I don't want to minimize that but sometimes no we don't need the story we're having and we're working with you today so let's work from here forward let's not really have some whole conversation about what the past was Uh, sometimes it's necessary but rarely I think what's your thoughts on that?
1: For me, rarely. Um, I've had some pretty big conversations with people and clients that, and this is no disrespect to my industry or to the to the work that people do, but many modalities in the performance coaching and the psychology world is about uncovering and discovering and bringing up all the stuff and the why you're like this and why you don't have everything you want and why you're in so much pain. And again, I don't want that to come across minimizing, but the truth is there's no more Why? if you really are committed to choosing and creating a different trajectory for your life, the why no longer matters. And the why becomes the barrier to you moving forward. If you need to keep discovering the why and you've got a psychologist or a counselor or somebody that's gonna keep getting paid every time you come to an, uh, uh, a session and I, I have a, a friend that has spent $175 per hour over the last 25 years talk about why I'm like this. And I go, yeah, totally perfect the way you are. Why can't we just look forward and create what's next? But I need to know why. I'm like, what if you don't?
0: Right. Well, I think there's another side of that, which is what I got to many years ago, was that I wanted to know why, but I didn't need to know why in order to move forward. So kind of as I continue to evolve and grow and make the commitment to grow, the why started to kind of show up in weird ways and odd ways. And then I was able to reflect and go, Oh, well, that makes more sense. Okay. And that all that was was, okay, that's why that is that's how that showed up. And but it wasn't, it wasn't preventing me, I didn't need to know why before I move forward. I think that's the key in all of this.
1: You stop being a victim, you stop being a victim to the why. And I think that's, I remember that shift is that when you really got that the gifts that you learned and the story that you were telling yourself were two different things. Yeah. And when you told the truth and I remember. You used oh to piss me
0: off though. I remember you used to piss me off because I'd go, I just want to know why. And you'd go, you don't need to know. And I'd go, yes, I do. And that, Oh, those were early, early days in our relationship. And but it uh, stops
1: your growth. Oh, if you need to know why
0: you are such a bitch. Oh, it stops okay. Bro. Okay.
1: All right. Anyway, carry, carry on, on. key three. number
0: three, everything serves your highest good. This one, I just had this conversation with somebody today, which is they're going through a really tough time in the relationship. And, uh, you know, she's with a right fighter. And, you know, it's a tough place to be. In having those conversations, we have to trust. I believe that we have to trust that whatever we're going through, if we're willing to go through it, if we're willing to go through the eye of the needle, knowing we have to go through it and that we're committed to going through it it is all and will serve our highest good. And that's hard when you're going through the eye of the needle to believe that. So the trick here, I think, or the tool here is to reflect really honestly on your past and to think about it. And I've said this many times that you start to discover that even the most challenging times in your life served your highest good. And rather than being pissed off and hanging on to you know being bitter you know you have to leverage the experiences to become just the best version of yourself so i think that when we start to recognize that the present actually shapes the meaning of the past we can redefine whatever story we have of it and so when we look at those old stories rather than saying i went through this and it was this and this and this go okay great this kind of goes back to the gap and the gain You're telling this story about how painful it was and all the gaps that were back there. Let's talk about all the gains that you uh, had from that story, from all that you went through, and then realize that regardless of what you went through, there was so much in it that is so powerful and works good for you today, if you're willing to look at it that way. If you're not, then you're going to continue to be a victim to your past.
1: Well, the, the truth is that there's a layer of humility that has to show up in order to admit that you've maybe been wrong. That level of humility for a right fighter could feel extremely painful because you have to dismantle what you believe to be true about yourself and that the fact that you're no longer a victim and that you are in charge and you're 100% responsible for creating the life that you want. I think the hardest part when I'm talking to people similar to the conversation you had today is that the decisions were made thinking somebody might change or somebody may want to see the light down at the end of the tunnel or if I just do this or if I get married or when we have kids then you know dot 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 I think the biggest thing is is to to not beat yourself up for the decisions that you've made that got you here because to your point everything that got you here is exactly what you need to have to move forward and that's where we get stuck and I think that's where the you know it's funny we've been criticized over the you know the years like or I have, you know, from a, from a coaching standpoint, is that I don't actually care about the story. I care about you here right now and what brought you here. Because the pain of staying where you were, for example, is much bigger than the pain of moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think the longer people stay in the pain of of knowing that they need to change, and the longer they delay that, the bigger the push on the outside and on the other side. So the sooner you get that you're not your past self and that you there is a shift to moving forward, not based on the definition you have of the past or who you needed to be or who you needed that person or that partner to be, the quicker that you're gonna move into the life that you want. And is it gonna be easy? No. <laughs> if it was easy, more people would do this work.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Well, you kind of jumped ahead uh, in your conversation uh, because point number four was you are not your past self. So we have to realize that we're not the same person that we were in the past, whether it's 10 years or 10 months or 10 days. So, you know, we have to look at that and realize that we made decisions. I think the whole thing about you are not your past self is that there's lots of times where people, myself included, will beat myself up. You know, we'll, we beat ourselves up for decisions we made or things we could have done, should have done, if we would have known different, If you know, if it would have been this or that. And we spend a lot of time uh, beating ourselves up for who we were back then or the decisions we made and we should have made better decisions and we compromised values. I know that's a a big one for me. And some of the things that I've done, I feel like, Oh God, I just compromised values. But it was interesting. I just did an amazing podcast with a lady that is coming out on the everyday millionaire, Sandy. And we had a huge conversation about values and which was so interesting because here's a lady that's probably, I don't know, probably done a hundred million dollars in different businesses or more, uh, so business savvy. And we got into a values conversation and it was like, it was so powerful. But the point was, is that we can't hang on to those decisions and beat ourselves up. So part of, I think, and you can have your comment on this is if we can recognize that we're not our past self, like I say, 10 years, 10 months, 10 days, doesn't matter. We're not our past self. But then can we forgive ourselves? I think that's a really important part of letting go of the past or that identifying that we're not our story. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, the hardest part is I see is that we're living into a future right now where we've got this whole freaking me too thing where if you've hurt me 10 years ago, 20 years ago, then I'm gonna bring it forward. I'm gonna charge you with this and charge you with that. And there's not a space right now where people have that space of forgiveness for a 20-year-old or a, a, a 15-year-old or a teenager that made, it, made a mistake. Right now, that's ha- what's ha- what I'm noticing that's happening is that if we don't have the space of forgiveness of self and other, then it's very easy to pull this victim mentality forward. And that's what scares me as we enter this conversation and make it a little bit deeper is that, yes, you are not your past self. But all you have to do is look on social media and look at people that are being uh, vilified and criminalized for things they did in their past. With all the information they did, they did the best they could in that time. And now 10, 15 years later, I'm looking, oh my gosh, one of my favorite broadcasters and love, love him or hate him, Russell Brand, is now being vilified for something he did 15 years ago, knowing you know who he was 15 years ago and being very clear. So what worries me is that, yes, number four, he, you are not your past self, but is that also true for other people that you may have hurt or they perceived you as hurting them? And that's what is a thing that's moving forward with this whole victim mentality right now in 2023. And I think that we need to take a stand and help people realign and reconnect to themselves to make sure that, I mean, I could do Me Too all day long. I know, I don't know any women that couldn't do a Me Too thing. Mm -hmm. But when you are doing your own work and your own healing that, and you understand that you are not your past self, like I am not a victim to anything that's happened to me, mm-hmm. past, present, and even future. But that's not a normal conversation. It's much easier to support people to be victims because there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of drama. So number four to me is really important is that you are not your past self. You are not, you're, you're not the same person, but other people may want you to be forced into that definition.
0: Well, and this leads into number five, which they kind of all go together, don't they? Which is self-awareness can be really, really painful. And, you know, when we start to become aware of how our story starts to frame our life and we become aware of it. So in other words, we look at it and we go, holy cow, you know, it can be a pretty painful process. And, you know, it can be sometimes cringeworthy. You know, and it starts to reveal how some of your actions have really harmed you and those around you generally because you're not in it alone. You know, so when we look at the journey of self-discovery, it really isn't for the faint of heart. We say that often. It demands some humility and lots of self-compassion and really the willingness to acknowledge our past mistakes. And when I call, when we say mistakes, we're really saying They're lessons that we got. Did we learn them and can we accept them as lessons so that we don't repeat them? And, you know, there is the universe that there is a there is the. I remember my friend told me, he goes, you know, don't worry if you don't hear the universe when it whispers because it will turn up the volume. And of course, we joke about that because sometimes the last thing you need is the universe to uh, turn up the volume so that you get the lesson. And uh, ultimately, we have to learn these lessons. And sometimes it takes a little bit of work to learn the lessons. And so I think we have to consider the fact that self-awareness can be very painful.
1: It can. And one of the lines that I really love, and it means a lot to me, is that when I know better, I do better. When I know more, I do better. Mm -hmm. Because we're all on a journey. And back in the day, maybe I didn't know certain things. Or maybe, you know, you weren't raised in a family or in a culture that is... Allowing of certain things today, but when you know more and you and you know better, you do better. And I think if we forget that and we don't embrace curiosity and and willingness to get it right rather than fucking be right, you know, we have to take a look at ourselves and we have to reframe, we have to reshape, we have to understand and give ourselves room and grace to have messed up and to made mistakes in the past. And unfortunately, we've got people with fine-toothed combs that are going to find what we did and how we screwed up. Honest to God, the world that I'm in, in the world of sport and performance, if there's people going to look for things and shit that I've done in the past, they're probably going to find it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I was mean to somebody or I said something rude or I told somebody to fuck off. Like, And they were offended by that. Now being offended in the past 10 years ago could create a lawsuit today. Mm-hmm. So I just want to invite people... To look at where you're at in these five steps, where you're at in, oh my gosh, do you believe that everything's happened to you for your highest good? But here's the other thing, but also for others, Mm -hmm. for my highest good and also for yours. And if I make those decisions, then honestly, the rest is up to the universe to decide.
0: It is. So as we wind this down, you know, we recap a little bit on these five keys and you know, we can use them just as guiding lights, if you will, and that we have to recognize that our life really is a story. Our past is a story. And we have to understand it's helpful to understand that the past doesn't have to define us. And we believe that everything, and we can come to believe that when you look at it through a different lens, everything that's happened up to now actually. Serves your highest good. And it's good to acknowledge that we aren't our past self and accepting that self awareness is a journey. It can be at times painful and even cringe worthy, but we can start to go on that journey of change and being self aware and understanding that being a right fighter is not the answer, but considering that. Rather than be a right fighter, we look to do the right thing. And I think that is, you know, really uh, a way to open up to what it can be. So work to get it right instead of be right. And uh, I think those are pretty, those are five pretty good keys to unlocking our best selves.
1: Agreed. And I think the biggest thing here is self-awareness leads also to self-forgiveness. And if you feel like you've screwed up in the past or there's somebody or something that's blaming you or vilifying you or or, or or linking you to a past self that you are not anymore, just soften, do some work, do some journaling, do whatever it is you need to do to get yourself to your present state, who you are today, and stand for that person. Stand for that person.
0: Fantastic. Stephanie, thank you.
1: That was fun.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at r-e-i-n Canada dot com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.